morning, friends. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. We're going to stand. We're going to worship Jesus this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Let's just fix our eyes on him.
helpful to know who we are. Children of God, fully accepted to come and worship him, that freedom just completely spoken over our lives. Just free, free, free from shame, free from fear. Jesus, you are for us, you are not against us. You are the king of our heart. We just wanna worship you in this place, God, and allow you to have your way in this place. The Holy Spirit, fill us up. Have your way, God, have your way, God. When we worship him, everything changes. Everything changes.
nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone here in your presence your presence Lord well, let's welcome in this morning
Oh, friends, well, stay standing for just one moment. Uh, I just want you to know that we just sang a beautiful prayer, did we not? And the prayer was the invitation to the Spirit of God to come and to flood this place and flood our hearts and allow us, as we enter into His presence, to understand and be led by Him in His Word and where it is that He wants to touch us and move us and change us. So that's our prayer. That's our hope. That's why we're gathered together. Now what I want you to do is I want you to give a high five to two or three people and tell them, hey, welcome to worship. It's good to be with you today. Go ahead. Craig, come here. Hey. Love you, man. All right, all right. Enough levity. Grab your notes out of your handout. It's wonderful to be with you today. My name is Mike. I love being a part of this team here at Overlake. And we are continuing to go through a, a study. This is a series that's called Living In and With and For Jesus. And we're just kind of walking through and unpacking the, the, the letter. The, the, we have a the book in the Bible called 1 John. And it was written as a letter. And so what we're doing is we're coming through the themes. And we're trying to unpack what are the dominant themes that, uh, that John keeps coming back to as he was led by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And, and so you'll notice uh, that today we're, we're talking about a command. John wants to talk about a command and uh, you'll see he's, he's not messing around with this one. But before we get into that, I, I want to let you know, or at least for some of you, remind you, because I've mentioned this before, that I am a child of the 80s. I was born in the 70s, but basically, like, I, I, I came, you know, into my own, you know, uh, the 80s have, have uh, by the way, 80s greatest decade ever. Right? Most creative, it's the best movies, it's, you know, all best zippered pants, you know. And, uh, and in the 80s, there was a song, and it was the number one song in both Europe, or uh, in Britain and in America, and it just is kind of globally recognized. Billboard uh, still makes, uh, listed as one of the, the, the top most globally recognized classic rock or, or soft rock songs. And you probably already know this, but the 80s, th th this song was about love. And in the 80s, there were lots of songs about love. For example, Queen uh, in 1980 came out with Crazy Little Thing Called Love. And that was followed by Dana Ross and Lionel Richie singing about endless love. And then Ario Speedwagon promised to keep on loving you. And Joan Jett announced, I love rock and roll. And... And Huey Lewis reminded us of the power of love. And then, of course, Tina Turner asked, well, what's love got to do with it, you know? <laughs> and there were dozens more songs about love in the 80s, but I won't mention them now because they're already on your Spotify playlist. So, but this song that I'm talking about, this song came out and it kind of swept and it was, it was mellow and it was haunting. It was kind of a ballad. And of course, I'm referring to this song, um, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. And it's the chorus, if, if you can remember the song, it's the chorus that sticks with you. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. You're welcome for me not singing that song. And I want you to understand, we start here because in this postmodern world we live in today, we cannot argue people into the kingdom of God. We can only show them. You see, people aren't even asking the question if Christianity is true. They're asking the question, is Christianity good? And we have to show them the answer to that question. And the tool, the method, the posture that God gives us to show them is the posture of love. And so as you read through the letter, what we have as the book of 1 John, you'll see that there are some dominant themes that come up again and again about living in Jesus and with Jesus and for Jesus. But the most dominant theme is the theme of love. That's the bell that gets rung again and again and again. That's why John is referred to as the disciple of love or the apostle of love, which I think is the greatest title ever. How's that look on a resume? I think it looks good. Okay. But here's what John's doing. He's talking about a command. And the commandment that he's talking about, he talks about again and again and again. And he is not messing around with this commandment. 
So let's jump into this. Uh, he says in 1 John 2, verse 7 and following, Dear friends, and again, you guys, in, in some of your translations, it might say beloved, but this is that. He's, he's this older statesman in the church. He, he is this gentle-hearted. So it's like dear friends, right? He loves those that he's writing to. He loves uh, followers of Jesus. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another, so that's the command. The old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. All right, so let's unpack that for a moment. At first, he starts talking about this is an old commandment, right? This is a commandment that you've known, you've had it from the very beginning. And the reason why he identifies it as old is because this commandment, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, it's been kicking around since the law was given, right? And in the Jewish community, the law was given about 1,500 years before the writing of this book. And so, so the law, love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus, was known by the Jewish community within the, the Jewish context for 1,500 or so years and so that's why he's saying this is an old commandment this is not a new commandment it's been with you since the beginning but then he says but it's new because Jesus has lived the truth of this commandment in a radical new way the expression that Jesus has embodied this commandment with is completely new so if you're filling in the blanks the first one is this it's this old slash new command to love is actually an ongoing command. So Jesus has not only lived it and embodied it, but he has reissued it to his followers. And it's at this new way, it's at this new pinnacle, this new sort of echelon. And, and he's reissued this to his disciples. So for example, you might remember when he says this, and this is again the same author, John, but he writes in his gospel in John 13, these words from Jesus. He says, now... I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. So, so Jesus identifies it as a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What does this passage say? He's saying this is how you show the world what love is. Right? This is how you show the world what love is. You know, he doesn't call us to talk about love. He doesn't call us to sing about love. He doesn't call us to write about love. He just calls us to show love for one another, to show the world what love is. And by doing so, he's saying, you're going to show the world what God is like. Yeah, many years ago, I read about a situation in Britain where there was a dispute between the Treasury Department and the Foreign Affairs Department. And the dispute in Britain was, went like this. The, the, all the ambassadors that were living in all of the, the capitals, cities around the world, they were wanting the British government to supply them a car to drive around in, in their, their city of location. And the car that they wanted was a Rolls Royce. Now, the Treasury Department didn't like that because of the expense, and so they argued against it, and, and they, they kind of countered, and they said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll provide a Rolls-Royce for some of the key capitals in the world, maybe Washington, D.C., or Moscow, or Berlin, but not all of the foreign capitals of the world. But then the foreign affairs, they argued back, and this is their argumentation. They said most of the people in most of the cities around the world have not ever been to Britain. And so they don't know much about Britain at all. But when they see us driving around in this magnificent vehicle with the British flag waving out behind, they're going to say to themselves something like this. I don't know much about Britain and I've never been to Britain. But if the driving experience is like that in Britain, it must be a wonderful place. Jesus is saying the same thing about love. 
Because we live in a culture today where people, they might look around at the world, they might look around at all the hard things in, in the world and they say, you know what, I, I just don't know if I know that God is good. I don't even know if I believe in God. But when I see a follower of Jesus love, when I see the way a follower of Jesus treats their spouse, when I see the way the follower of Jesus treats their family or their neighbors or their coworkers, when I see the way in which followers of Jesus are compassionate and generous and kind, and when I see how they love, it makes me think that the God they serve must be a wonderful God. Are you following me? It's that, it's that visual representation of what it's like to be in the kingdom. And so Jesus, he reissues this commandment, and it's a commandment to love. And it's not just a commandment to love those who you like. It's not a commandment to love those who are like you or those who are with you or those who think like you. It's even a commandment to love those who, who aren't like you and who might be against you. And he uses the term enemies. So look at this. This is Jesus again. He says in Luke 6, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Amen. And so, friends, this is what John means when he says it's an old commandment, but it's a new commandment, right? Because at the same time, he wants you to understand Jesus has elevated this thing. It is, it is at a new height. It is at a new way of applying in the world. It's prioritized as that overarching designation of what God's kingdom is all about. It's that signpost that this is when heaven is crashing in to earth. And so that's the commandment that John is not messing around with. He says this in, in John, 1 John 3, 23. He says, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded. So that's the command. Believe in Jesus and love. That's what's required. And the reason why I make this note, and you might want to write this down somewhere, is when John's talking about obeying the commandment, obey the commandment in this entire letter, he's talking about that command. Believe in Jesus and love. That's it. He's not talking about the almost 700 commandments in the Old Testament law. He's not even talking about the big 10, the 10 commandments in the Old Testament law. He's not talking about the law at all. He's talking about the commandment to believe in Jesus and love one another. He goes on, 1 John 4, 7. says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. So it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a continuation and ongoing. Let's continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. You might want to circle that. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. All right, so let's unpack this a little bit. God is love. Now, we've talked about this before, Overlake, and I, I want you to understand that, that love is not just an attribute of God's. Love is who God is. This is his character. This is his identity. And we've talked before, and this is really a heady concept. I'm only going to mention it briefly, but how God exists in Trinitarian form. That we, We're talking Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and eternally in Trinity, God the Father loves God the Son and God the Spirit. And the Spirit loves God the Father and God the Son. And the Son loves God the Father and God the Spirit. And so there is this eternal relationship of love always going on within the concept of Trinity, within God himself. That's why God is love. It's who he is. And then as you look at this passage, you, you know, I think as you, as you jump into 1 John, it's important for us to see what it is that John's talking about when he's talking about love. What is the definition of love? And the first part of a definition of how John uses love is love is giving of yourself. So it's not primarily something that you feel, it's primarily something that you do. 
the fundamental thing that you do as you love is you give and not just give anything, you give something of yourself, something personal, something precious, something of yourself. So in this passage, what we see is that God gave his son. We see Jesus gave his life. And love, it's not just that you would give maybe indiscriminately, maybe to prove a point or just to prove how awesome you are, that you're a good person or that you're a hero or something like that. No, no. Love is giving of yourself for the good of others. So it's a giving for some need in order to serve some purpose. So again, you see from this passage, Jesus laid his life down for us to pay for the sins that we have committed so that we could be forgiven. He didn't just send, God just didn't send his son to get our attention. He sent his son to rescue us so that we might live through him. This is real love, the scripture says, right? This is what real love is, that Jesus has come. It's not only that God created us, but that he pursues us and that he loves us and that he gave his life for us so that because his life is in us, now we might live forgiven and free and in fellowship with him. Friends, this is the gift that we need the most and it's the gift that only he could give to us. Amen? Now, there is, uh, there's a fancy theological word for this. It's a, a Greek word. It's the word kenosis. The Greek word kenosis simply means self-emptying. It means self-emptying. And the reason why we use it in connection with Jesus is because the scripture said this is real love. This is what Jesus has done for us. It's a self-emptying kind of a love. It's a self-giving, a self-sacrificing kind of love. So when Jesus left the Father to come to earth and live in poverty, he was emptying himself. Right? He was giving of himself in order to come. When Jesus went to the cross, when he allowed himself to be crucified, he emptied himself. He gave of himself. He sacrificed of himself. That's why this is real love. And friends, this is so amazing. I want to say it's even more amazing than we tend to think. And the reason why it's more amazing than we tend to think is because we tend to think that, of course, God loves us. He's God. He loves us. And by the way, I'm pretty lovable, right? I want to tell you it's extraordinary. I found a quote from a pastor uh, named Von Roberts from Oxford. He says, when you love people who are like you, that's ordinary. When you love people who are unlike you, that's extraordinary. When you love people who dislike you, that's revolutionary. And that's the kind of love that God has had for you and for me. You see, when we were opposed to God, he pursued us. When we were enemies of God, Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why Jesus is so amazing. That's this kind of love that John is calling us to. It's revolutionary. It's out of the box. It's outlandish, we call it. Amen. Outlandish love. And it's the kind of love that the world is waiting to see. So again, if you're filling in the blanks, the definition of love that we've gone after here is love is giving of yourself for the good of others, even those with whom you have differences, or Jesus calls them your enemies. Now to say we have had differences with God is to put it mildly, I admit. But this definition, I, I, I give it to you in order that it would work practically in situations that you and I are going to find ourselves within. And the point that I'm trying to make, and the point that the scripture makes, is that we don't get to choose who we love. We are not called to only love those who are like us or agree with us or are with us or who ask for our love. We're called to love those who are also different from us, who also disagree with us, even those who might be working actively against us. I want to show you a, a quote, and this is something you might want to write down, and it's simply this. I am on the hook to love you, and there's nothing you can do to get me off that hook. I can't choose who to love, but every day I choose to love. I choose to love because that's what Jesus calls us to. Amen. Scripture keeps going, 1 John 4, 11. It says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Friends, this passage is so very interesting to me. I I love what John's doing here. I love what the scripture says. It's because he's making it clear. Look, none of us have ever seen God. We've not seen visually God. We've not seen tangibly the Father. None of us have seen God, he's saying. So the world doesn't know what God looks like. But when you and I love one another, suddenly the world can see, oh, that's what God is like. I want you to think about sample sizes for a moment. When I, when I was in high school, I worked at the Laguna Hills Mall. And uh, I just, I was, you know, again, child of the 80s. That was the decade where students just went to the mall to hang out. Just by show of hands, how many of you ever just went to the mall to hang out? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, I see that. God bless you. I see that hand. Okay. The, the idea is, we don't, we don't, I don't think it happens as much today, but back then, it's like everyone's going to the mall to hang out. And I had two jobs at the mall. I, I worked at the movie theater at Laguna Hills uh, Cinema, and then I also worked as a stock boy at the Limited. It was a women's clothing store. I was the only male employee at that store, which, you know, had certain benefits. And... Um, <laughs> So, so what I would do is after, you know, I'd take a break or whatever, and I'd go up to the food court. And this was back in the day when the food court, there are many different options, and there would always be somebody out in front of, of the place where they were selling food with a tray of sample sizes. And so if you were industrious like I was, you could make two or three loops around the food court and just fill up for free, uh, which I thought was brilliant. But... But, but I would do that, but, but that's not what it was for. What it was for was this, that you would walk by and the person would hand you maybe just like a bite-sized portion of a burrito and you would taste the burrito and go, oh, that's delicious. I want the whole burrito. Or you would go to the next place and they would give you a little bite-sized portion of Kung, Kung Pao chicken and you'd have that and you'd go, oh, that's delicious. I want, you know, combo number nine or whatever it was. And, and so you would, you would go and you would taste just a little bit and it would entice you to want the whole meal. And what Jesus is saying about this is he's saying that's what your love for one another does. Because you're to love one another and you're to love people and and they're going to go, oh, I've tasted a little bit of that love. Now I want to go to the source of love. I've had just a little taste, a little portion of that. But now I want the whole meal that God has in mind. Are you with me? Like that's the whole point is that, that, that by loving one another in this world, we're giving out sample sizes of love so that people would taste and go, oh, I want that. That's what I've wanted for so long. Amen. Okay, so look at what this next verse says. This, the source of this kind of love, the source of this love, and, and again, John uses the phrase real love. So look at this. He says, we know what real love is. Circle that. Again, there's that kenosis, that self-emptying. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So again, I want to know what love is, the world's saying. Jesus saying, we know what real love is because he's shown us what real love is. Jesus is the only one who shows us, and so we enter into that kind of love. It's very practical, John's arguing. It's very practical. It's not just words. It's not just saying. It's action, and it's a giving of ourselves. And so that's why he uses that example. If you see a brother or sister in need, try to help that need. Try to engage that need because it's a practical way to demonstrate love. And so that's the next fill-in here. Love is practical action. It's practical action. It's not sentimentality as much as it is engagement. And so it's practical. So I want you to think about the different areas of your life. Maybe for you when you're in your home and you, you know, typically ask your spouse or your roommate, hey, how was your day? Uh, As you just pass by on your way to do something else, maybe instead of just asking quickly and moving on, you actually stop and listen and you engage And you're fully present as you're participating with them. Even though you might have other things to do, but you want to place their needs above your own. That's a practical way that you can show love. 
If you have children, you're probably already serving them. That's probably already a part of it. But maybe you invite them into more of a self-determining kind of a place. Maybe one night a week you ask, hey, what would you like for dinner? And then you make that meal with them. Or maybe one night a week you say, hey, what is it that you'd like to do this evening? And then you help them walk into that activity. Or maybe at work you stop by some kind of a, a you know, co-worker's desk and you say, hey, what are you working on that I could help you with today? Or maybe you just clean up the break room or bring coffee in that day. When you're driving, maybe look for opportunities to let other people get in front of you on the road. And now you're thinking, oh, pastor's just being ridiculous right now, right? <laughs> See, care for those in your community. When you're at the coffee shop, you know, be on, have your love on display. Try to learn names. Be aware of kindness. I saw this meme, and it's very appropriate for our day and age. It says, life is what happens when you put your phone down. And you realize that there's this whole world around you and there's all these people around you and there's all these opportunities that God's putting in your path for you to show love. And it happens in the church as well, right? As we love practically like Jesus. For example, when a Kidtown volunteer sits down in front of a group of children and asks how their week was and helps them understand a Bible story, that's an act of love. When a coffee volunteer offers you something to drink, that's an act of love. When a greeter welcomes you in, it's an act of love. They're giving their time and their energy to bless you on a Sunday morning. And friends, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Scripture goes on. It says, dear children, let's not merely say, you might want to circle that word. Let's not merely say that we love each other. It's not lip service. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God. And the challenge is that we take every opportunity to love one another in practical ways, to listen to one another respectfully and honor one another without rushing to defend our position, to believe the best about one another as we pursue unity and peace with each other. You see, these are actions. We're not just saying that we love each other. We're actually loving one another. This next passage from John 4, verse 16 and following says, God is love. There it is again. You know, he keeps coming back to the same themes. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So our love is actually becoming more and more like the love of Jesus, right? Our love is moving from a more self-oriented to a self-emptying place. Kenosis is happening with us as well. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear. Underline that. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. What's John arguing here? He's arguing that love drives fear away. That's your feeling. That love drives fear away. That the deep love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ overcomes our fear. His perfect love drives our fear away. And I want you to understand that, that this kind of love is so empowering because when you are loved like this, then when you happen to disappoint somebody who loves you deeply, they still love you anyway. Even when you only have one job to get right, like we found this picture that uh, this, this guy only had one job to get right as he made this installation, right? It's just, oh, you had one job, just measure, don't eyeball, you know? And, and yet, I, I want you to understand that when someone loves you like this, then instead of punishing you or rejecting you, love forgives you. That, that if there's love, there's patience. If there's love, there's a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And, and a friends, that's the kind of love that God has for you. And I just want you to understand that when you are loved like this, you are free. When you're loved like this, you are free. You're free to make mistakes. You're free to disagree. You're free to take a risk. You're free to be yourself. That's why love is the greatest gift you could possibly give to one another. Because it it gives you the freedom to become the person that you long to be and the person that God has created you to be in Jesus Christ. And so the bottom line is love changes us. Love changes us because love drives our fear away. 
Love is practical action. Love is giving of ourselves for the benefit of others, even those with whom we have differences. Love is this ongoing command that Jesus gives us because love shows the world what God is like. Amen? Amen? That's the whole point. That's what he keeps arguing again and again and again. We'll unpack it a little bit more next week. But I want to close with a story. This is a, it was a pretty phenomenal experience. I've never forgotten it. And it was, happened early in my married life. Jody and I had just gotten married. We were in Southern California. And one evening, the news was on. We were doing something else. But all of a sudden, our attention was drawn because there was this courtroom scene on the news. And what was happening is there was a gang member who was about to be sentenced, and he was guilty of an attempted drive-by shooting. He was, he was in a moving vehicle, and he, he fired his weapon out of a moving car trying to eliminate a rival gang member, but he missed. And a bullet went through the window of a neighboring house, entering into the back of a 13-year-old boy, leaving him paralyzed. And so the scene in the courtroom was this gang member about to be sentenced to jail. But before he was sentenced, this 13-year-old boy who's now paralyzed had asked the judge if he could speak to the gang member, and the judge granted it. So they, they wheeled this young boy in in his wheelchair. And he looked at the gang member, and he said, I'm never going to walk again. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this wheelchair. He said, but I want you to know I forgive you. And I love you. And I pray for you every day. And he said, the only reason I can say this is because Jesus loves me. And his love fills my heart. And so I want you to know that his love is the reason why I can tell you that I love you. And when I pray for you every day, it's because I want you to know the love of Jesus. Because when you know the love of Jesus, it'll change everything about your life. And so I love you and I pray for you. And he's just kind of talking like this. And that gang member, he was just, he was just stoned. He was impassive at, 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 when the boy started speaking. But after a second, he just broke down and began to sob. And the gang member just started sobbing, and you could see what he was saying. He was trying to speak, and he was saying, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, man. Oh, I'm just, I'm so sorry. And then the boy in the wheelchair said, I know. I know. I, I love you, man. I'm praying for you. I know. Amen. And Jody and I looked at each other, and we were just a weeping mess because it was a supernatural moment. It, 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 was, it, was, it was an otherworldly moment. I mean, Jesus was like present in the courtroom when that happened. And I thought, you know what that boy did? He showed the world what love is. He showed the world what love is. The world is so desperate. I want to know what love is. Jesus is showing it. Jesus has poured out his love for you and for me. And now the command, the command is that we're to love each other the same way that Jesus has loved us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. And if you are anything at all like me, you know that these are incredible concepts to think about and to talk about and even to affirm in our hearts but when the rubber meets the road, it becomes hard for us to live. And so Jesus, what we confess to you today is that we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to fill each and every one of us. That you would show us right now where it is that we're resistant to your love. Help us to receive it fully. We, we want to fully experience your perfect love, which drives out all fear from our lives. So fill us up with your love, Lord, and then allow us to show that love in our worlds. Allow that, us to show that love in our homes. Allow us to show that love in our neighborhoods, in our workspaces, in our communities. Lord Jesus, allow us to share love so 
prolifically, to share love so sweetly, so deliciously that those who taste it just want to come to you for more. We love you, Jesus. We are so thankful for you. We ask for your help and your guidance. We ask for you to fill us and then to lead us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Well, friends, we're going to continue to worship Jesus together with the giving of our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. I, I do want to encourage you to take a moment and grab this connection card and take a moment and fill it out. If there's any updated information, go ahead and write that down. If you have a prayer request, you can put that down. We love praying for you. We, it's one of the ways we feel like our, our church body is knit together in prayer. So go ahead and write that down. If you made a spiritual decision today, you can mark that on this card as well. Um, if you've never been baptized... And, and as a part of your faith journey, you're ready to make that step of faith. Go ahead and check that box and we'll get you the information that you need. We'd love to celebrate that with you. But when the offering buckets come around, you can drop these cards in along with any tithes, gifts, or offerings. So ushers, would you come and begin to collect those? And then if this is your first time here, if you're just joining us today for the first time, why don't you hold on to your card and on your way out after the service, you can stop by the Connection Center and you can turn that card in. We'll just give you a gift. It's our way of saying thank you so much for being with us today. Okay? Well, friends, let's continue to worship Jesus together. stand and continue to worship together. And scripture says that God loved us first so we can love. And so let's continue to respond and sit in his love and sing this out together. Oh, that you 
Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we blessing over you in that spirit. Um, uh, before I do, I want to remind you, if you need prayer for anything this morning, if uh, as Pastor Mike was sharing, as we were worshiping, if there's things that are stirring up in you, things that you know you need to give over to Jesus uh, with the help of another uh, fellow person in prayer, we would love to pray with you before you go. As you're leaving on the second floor, there's a little alcove to the left that you can go and receive some prayer today. Uh, and, I, and I do want to pray a blessing now over you. And, and I was just actually down the hallway speaking to the kids in Kidtown. Pastor Phil and his team asked me to share this morning on the same focus that we were actually talking about in here. Uh, this idea of putting our faith on display for the world through our love. And so here's what I had the kids do. And I'd invite you to, to do, do the same if you're comfortable with it. Just, just hold out your hands in front of you. And I, I want to pray a blessing over, over your hands, over our hands today. Lord, let these hands be your hands. With these hands, you have given us the power to show your love to the world. Calm our anger and heal any pain in our hearts that would cause us to do harm or to hate with our hands. Put only your goodness in our hearts so that all the world sees when we extend our hands is your pure, radiant, and eternal love. In the name of Jesus, the one who showed us what true love looks like, we pray. Amen. Amen. May God's peace rest on you this week, and we'll see you next Sunday.